Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hatchesad, and with me as always is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, final listeners of 2019. Greetings to everyone, but greetings, greetings especially to our guest this week, Stefan Augback from Motor Trend. Stefan, say hi to the people as well, please. Hi there, the final listeners of 2019. This should be awesome. <laughs> uh, Stefan, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, mainly because you've been driving some pretty cool cars. One vehicle in particular that I have been so excited to talk about is the Polestar 1, which you had a full time to drive, a full I, driving experience in, right? I did, yeah. I recently I drove it two weeks ago. And so, so what exactly is the Polestar 1? For, for people who might not be familiar with Polestar, because it's kind of a new name on, on, the, on the scene. Yeah, so Polestar is essentially a, a spin-off from Volvo. It's of course Volvo is owned by Geely and Vo- Polestar is essentially a performance brand and they share a lot of parts and a lot of en- a lot of engines, a lot of powertrains, a lot of a lot of platforms with, with Geely. So in the case of Polestar 1, it's essentially the SPA platform that you see in all the 60 and 90 series Volvos. Okay. But right, turned like up the XC in the 90 uh, the XC90 and the S90 and yes. the V90 all. Cool. Um, and But this is like, Polestar is supposed to be like their electric or their hybrid sort of brand, right? Like this, yes. is, the, this is what they're going for. It's not just performance. Wait, or is it, it still yeah. performance? It's not just like luxury. I, sorry, it's not just hybrid performance. It's also like <clears throat> super luxury, right? This is like top tier style uh, luxury. Yeah. Which yeah. is to say that we we can't quite place Polestar on a, in a segment yet, like a, as a brand yet, as a it's, tier, can we? It's a bit hard because you know this Polestar one's like what they're only selling they're only selling like 150 cars a year. Wow! <laughs> and there's like how many? There's only there's there's only there's only like what? And just from that one plant, and then there's. There's, it's like it's like it's so it's got like these super all the all these crazy things on it. It's like so so much carbon fiber in it too, and it's really expensive. How much like, does it, okay. how much does it cost? Uh, we had one that was 156 grand, I believe. Wow. <laughs> so that you know, it, it's it, a or, lot. It, it is a lot, and it's you, you know if you're a small boutique car company, which they are and aren't at the same time, since they have the giant Chinese industrial complex backing them up. Uh, it's interesting to ask that much money right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but I mean, oh, yeah, it's kind sure. of unique. There, there's like the there's no other vehicle that really does what the Polestar One does, and so we're talking essentially a two door version of the S ninety. It's got this plug in hybrid powertrain with like about six hundred horsepower and seven hundred thirty eight pound feet of torque. That's yeah. wild. There's a ton of carbon fiber. This should be a performance machine. It should be borderline supercar, right? Uh, it's... I mean, when you tell me carbon fiber, <laughs> 600 horsepower, electric motors, I'm thinking and, hybrid. I'm and thinking tell me what you car. told us just ahead of the podcast where you were talking it about the, the, the exposed electric. Yeah. So if you look into the trunk, because part of the, the ba- part of the battery literally protrudes into the trunk. So there's no folding seat back. And once you open it, there's like no space for your stuff, like barely any space for your stuff, actually. And then what's there instead is just like whole sideshow of electricals, bits and pieces with like, so, it's, it just looks pretty awesome. But at the same time, it's like, uh, this is what took all my cargo space. And it's, yeah. and it's, it's glassed in, right? So like you can't touch it. And yeah, accidentally it's glassed die. in. It looks like, a, it, it's like, it's like they purposely glassed it in. So it, so you could like show it off to somebody. Like, like it's a stereo competition yeah. at SEMA. <laughs> no, <man. laughs> 
let me tell you, I have uh, I have plenty of custom built and and gamer oriented uh, PCs, and they all have this glass siding to them, so you can see Wait, all the parts in it. How many? And all of my how many friends do you have? Like, I mean, just, I've had a I couple of, in of my life. I've had I've had a couple in my lifetime, but a I'm just couple. Not in, oh, the story has changed so rapidly. What do you want to know? Anyway, I, I just so like, I'm I'm I have is, plenty, and now I've had a couple in my lifetime, and and soon it's going to be. I saw on YouTube. <laughs> ben, trust me on this. If there's one thing I know, it's about gaming PCs, and they've all got this glass side, this glass side panel, so that you can show all of your friends all of these computer gizmos that you got, and can't explain to them, or they don't care about. And, right? And, and, and they don't do anything. On the like, trunk of the Volvo. If you look at, if you I look mean, the Polestar. The Polestar. <laughs> I'm assuming if you look in the Polestar, ideally nothing's moving, right? Like none of those cables. If those cables start to move or smoke or do anything. It's time to stop looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what is it? What is it like to drive? I mean, it's got this. It's got this pretty, pretty boss uh, glass panel in the back, but you can't see that from the driver's seat. So, it's going to be <laughs> something else that's worth one hundred fifty-six thousand dollars. So, the moment you get in it, you, the moment you get in the car, it feels like a Volvo. Okay, it totally feels like a Volvo. I'm already in but... for hundred k, just based on that. <laughs> Based on that but description. The, but the problem is, inter- I think they only have two interior choices, and the one they gave us was um, black and white, and it doesn't really have a choice for uh, interior trim, so you only get the carbon fiber. And for, to be honest, the, the interior kind of left me cold because it was it was just there was not I was like there was not enough wood. This doesn't feel Volvo enough. Is it like oh. kind of being inside a box of Dominoes? kind of <laughs> but it was just like it was like it felt good but at the same time it's like man there's a little less character than i'd hope for this thing to have inside yeah and a at that pr- swedish, swedishness yeah not just the swedishness but at that price like you're buying let's say you're not buying an ev and you're spending 150 grand you can customize to your heart's content like that buys yeah. you that buys you a pretty crazy range rover you know, uh-huh. like you can get a lot of neat stuff inside of that. Sammy just found the cargo space, by the way. Sammy, what's the cargo space on the uh, the Polestar One? It's it's a lot. Um, it's pretty impressive. Four point four cubic feet. I think that's the size of the center console in any full size pickup truck. That's, that's here's wild. a fun fact. That's here's the fun fact. That's less than a Miata's trunk. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeesh. So okay. so it's got a small trunk. It doesn't have a lot of personality inside. What is it like to drive? Wow. So if you if you keep it in power mode, you feel every single ounce of what, of what it has, like the six hundred plus horsepower and seven hundred thirty something odd pound feet of torque. Wow. It goes. It just Ooh, yeah. it just goes like stink. It just it, and, it, and the the best part though is that it weighs fifty one hundred some odd pounds, <laughs> but. <laughs> But somehow it, it manages its body weight so well. Like, Interesting. It's so I, weird. <laughs> I imagine that has something to do with, like, it's got these pretty specific dampers that everyone keeps bringing up in every yeah. mention of the suspension. The system. Olin's dampers that, that are such a pain to adjust once you get to the rear ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, isn't that what makes Olin so impressive that you can, like, you can adjust them with these kind of, like, a, like, a clicker or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's like it's a little clicker. And wait, when wait, you wait. Go, 
Sorry, these are manually adjustable shocks? Yes, these oh are manually goodness. adjustable shocks. So oh, you don't you remember spending $150,000 for your nostalgia <laughs> trip of, of adjustable, <laughs> adjustable suspension via these little knobs on it? Oh, uh, we, we did a podcast on the Polestar, the, the um, V60. V60, yeah. Several, I want to say last year, maybe two years ago. And that also had adjustable shocks, manually adjustable shocks. And I had a problem with it then on a car that cost like 50, 60 grand. <laughs> multiply that by three there should there's no reason why these are manually just this should be a button inside the domino cabin where you push it and another domino flips up and says now you're in sport mode now you're in comfort mode i mean it, sh- it's inex- it should be it should be in the in the drives drive mode selector yeah. it should be a custom mode it's kind of what that was one of the complaints of a lot of people who drove, the, car, the, folks who drove the car yeah and like you have to pop the hood and then you have to like <laughs> If you want to adjust the rear the rear dampers, you have to like snake your hand through those thick, <laughs> thick ass wheels and like and tires and like try to like reach through it and hope your hand doesn't get clipped. Oh my goodness! So, so basically, every time you're 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 about to approach either a, a track or a, a windy stretch road, of road. You're, you're like, let me just pull over and adjust the suspension, and then it looks like you've broken down. Like you lift the hood, you reach, you're under the ground, reaching through the rear wheel well. People are gonna stop and be like, "Are you okay over here?" Yeah, that is honestly like that's something you would expect to see on a boutique car. You know what? No, I take that back because I was thinking, you know, oh, it's like a spiker or like a uh, uh, what's the other Swedish company whose name I can't think of? Koenigsegg. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like oh, it's 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 uh, you know they're they're making do with off the shelf parts so that they can bring us cool power and amazing performance and all this stuff. But no, you're not. You're, you're Volvo and Geely, and, and you really should have this figured out by now. It, yeah, it's weird because it's not it's not really that big of a deal when you if on the XC60 Polestar, which you know one of my colleagues was what he calls like yeah it's it's easy but it's still a pain in the ass. <laughs> but it's an order of magnitude more expensive. Yeah. But in this car, it's like uh, you know it's like I'm doing that because it's like really. If you spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars on a car and especially an EV. There's zero <laughs> expectation you'll ever have to get your hands dirty. Manual, yeah. There should be nothing mm-hmm. manual about this vehicle. It should be all digital. It should be all – like that's the EV experience, right? Yeah, for sure. And the thing is too with this this powertrain somehow, they they got this powertrain so much more polished versus when I first drove like an S60 T8 Polestar or like the XC60 mm-hmm. T8. You know, when, the, when, the, when that T8 plug-in hybrid system first came out with those grabby brakes, right. now the brakes actually feel normal. And the right. two the two liter super super turbo engine i four and the eight speed auto and the batteries somehow work in concert much better too, which is so weird. it's just like wow, good job, you finally got it sorted i'm <laughs> i'm I'm glad to hear that to be honest because the twin charge motor is a very interesting piece of equipment in other vehicles it makes like three hundred horsepower or so, and now they've augmented that with this power this uh, electric hyperelectric powertrain with six twice twice the power right like it's it's really impressive and to see and feel that um, without having the science experimenty feel to them. Well, that's except great. for that. That's wicked. Except for, you know, the, the shocks. Is there anything else <laughs> in the vehicle that kind of stands out as being a little weird for the price point? Uh, other than the shocks, really, in that glass pa- that glass panel showcase in the back of electric, electric beds, that's really nothing else. Everything just feels right with that car. 
Uh, does, oh, does the back seat like sucks. Four seconds, right? <laughs> like it's a very. It sounds like a quick car, but also doesn't. Yeah, four, four seconds is now Mustang GT territory. It's not it's, like, you know. Yeah, that's super territory. So, <laughs> and the, the, the back seats in the Super are they better than the back seats in the Polestar? There, there are no back seats. In the <laughs> I know super, it was. Right? It yes. was a trick question. <laughs> uh, well, other than that, though, it's in, like in other modes that you drive it in. If you drive it in just all electric mode or all wheel drive or uh, hybrid mode, it just feels really nice and sedate. You know, you can just cruise all all as long as you want and not and not get tired. It drives. It, it it's really comfortable. It you know the seats are typical Volvo seats, so you'll you won't get tired taking this car on a long trip, provided you're okay with just taking a backpack. <laughs> so, or well, putting your a, stuff in the backseat. They're going to make an SUV version of this, right? The Polestar 2 is going to be an SUV. It, it's possible, I think, for the SUV that they will add range to the vehicle. Would you think? Because it's about 93 miles right now on electric. Yeah. And if yeah, they, Polestar 2 has like 260, 260 miles. Okay. Get it? Yeah, that, the, that, that was, yeah, the Polestar 2 was the Volvo 40.2 40. concept, which was a sedan, like a race sedan. Okay. So. And uh, in in your experience, I mean, we've all we've seen recently uh, what happened with the Taycan, where it got beat up really bad by EPA in terms of its range. Did the range in the Polestar One when you were driving it did, did that ninety three miles feel realistic? It did actually, because there was four of us four of us beat on it on one day, and we were able to gain back range going downhill in B mode, and then we didn't really kill that much of the range. It was actually. It was actually fairly easy to maintain to actually get the engine to recharge the battery, but and at the same time get some in range back in 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 using the region using brake energy regen, and it's pretty re- overall it seemed pretty realistic. It didn't seem like a like like overly inflated or anything like that. So Sammy, uh, anything else that you want to ask about the Polestar? This how did they manage to make a vehicle that has so much carbon fiber in it? 5,100 pounds. Oh, it's got to be battery. It's got to be a battery. There's no other explanation for but it. But it still only has 90 miles of range? But it's a 34 kilowatt hour battery, I think. Yeah, it's not very, yeah, it's, it's. I, I don't know what, what else they did to it, but I have a feeling that the platform is also pretty Sammy, heavy it's a captive black. It's a captive black hole. Um, and <laughs> that, it, it, it has an infinite amount of mass, <laughs> but for EPA, they had to put a number. <laughs> So they put, uh, <laughs> they put 5,100 pounds. Um, and then the second thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, it seems like a really attractive vehicle. It like, like actually physically attractive. It's a gorgeous looking car. Um, and at $155,000, um, or at least in the past $100,000 mark, I'm thinking of comparing it to, say, uh, a not PHEV, the Lexus LC500H, which is another hybrid um, grand touring kind of coupe. And I would probably think that that's a bit more comfortable a little bit more uh, and it also has a beautiful interior as well and, and a probably usable trunk right nearly adjustable shocks yeah <laughs> is it fair to compare the two things oh, here, or are they I, completely I so. different vehicles i think so yeah because it's it's just so happens that i drove i drove them back to back actually <laughs> oh really yeah and I, I mean the lexus i don't think is exactly sporty in any way but it's it's it seems more comfortable. Yeah, it, it has more, like better half the power. Yeah. grand touring sort of half car, the right? power, I think. Yeah, it's got it's, the Lexus has 354 horsepower combined. But really, to be honest, the problem with the Lexus is that the powertrain that so there's something wrong with their rear drive. Uh, 
hybrid system at Toyota that it's, it just doesn't seem like it's sorted properly between the electric motors, the V6, and then the, and then the four-speed auto and and the CVT. Yeah, that part yeah. of the of the system is a little weird to me. Uh, I I liked the car when I drove it. I like both versions of the LC. They're very different. The but, V8 is the better. Is the far more better. Oh, for sure. Thing. Oh, for sure. But I mean, it's not like the 500h is a terrible car. I think if the V8 didn't exist, it would get a fairer <clears throat> shake. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely Very a fairer cool. shake. But interior wise, though, I'll give it to the Lexus because the Lexus's interior is just if, if so they could charge. Great. Yeah, it could try, if they could charge. 140, 150 grand for that thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, except for that end form in, in, in uh, yeah, except for the system. and when they put a new infotainment system on it, then they could charge another 30, 40 grand on it. I'm really for ho- now. No, <laughs> I'm really hoping that that infotainment that I saw in the Highlander is going to make its way to Lexus in some way because it's just so much better. Oh God, please! Because <laughs> it's so yeah, it, it informs oh, God, the sense, like... <laughs> No, seriously, that is the most accurate description of how I feel about infotainment. <laughs> I mean, and they're the only ones. Well, that's not true. I was going to say they're the only ones still holding on to that. But M Bucks, we talked about M Bucks a couple of weeks ago, and M Bucks has gone towards the mouse pad type of thing, and and so is Acura with the RDX. Yeah, but Acura's is, <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's next level weird <laughs> in terms so, of what they're doing. Speaking of the Acura, I just they recently released an update that adds Android Auto over the air for you. Okay. And I got to try that recently too, Android Auto with that touchpad. It's it's you know, it's usable, but I, I can just imagine doing like using it while you're driving. Yeah. It'd be very distracting. Super distracting. Super distracting. Very cool. Well, so, thank you for, t- for thank you for talking about that. I mean, Stefan, I'd love you to stick around and chat with us for the other vehicles that we have. Are you? Oh, no, for you sure. Staying? Yeah, you're not going. Anywhere? I'd love to okay. chat about the suburban. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, oh yeah. We're gonna get to we'll that. Um, I think. I think first we're gonna st- we're gonna talk a little bit about the Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you driven the Gladiator, Stefan? Uh, not too. Not not as not not really as much as I'd like. I've only got a few, I only got a quick stint at it. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I Sammy's driven it in the past, actually very recently, and I just had it for a week. And uh, the version that I have, Sammy, you had the Overland, is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, the non fully like most people see the the Gladiator, and you can get I think a Sport, an Overland, and a Rubicon, right? And the Rubicon is like that real tough off roady one. And the the I did not have that. Is that what you had? Yeah, I had the Rubicon. I had the the over the top uh, everything maximum knobby tires. Yeah, the big the big Fox shocks and everything, uh, rock rails, all all that good stuff. Here's, is this the one to have? This is no. the one to get. No, what? I'm going to argue that the Gladiator itself is not something that is all that desirable. Um, I had a fairly negative experience with the vehicle, and that surprised me because I really like the Wrangler. Um, despite all of its foibles, we've talked about it numerous times on the podcast. We've had the four doors, the two doors, the sports, the, the, the Rubicons. If you know what you're getting into, the Wrangler is a lot of fun. The Gladiator, the Gladiator is one of the few vehicles I've driven in the last few years that actually frightened me when I was driving it. And this happened last week. I was driving to pick up a whole bunch of parts, LS parts for my Jeep swap that I'm doing. And I happened to be on a stretch of, I I drove about, I would say the round trip was probably 250 miles and it goes very cold right around freezing and it started to rain. And I was in the Gladiator and it was, you know, the Gladiator is V6. You can get a manual, you can get an eight speed. I had the eight speed in it. 
And it felt more nervous than any other vehicle I've driven on the highway. It was okay. all over the place. The steering was mm. – I had winter tires on it too. So it, it was – you know, they were big, I think 33-inch winter tires. But still, it wasn't the fact that the rubber was too cold. It's just something about the fact that the 20 inches of extra wheelbase on that vehicle, the no weight in the rear of it, and mm. just how aggressive the the suspension settings are for off-road use, I was not comfortable whatsoever driving that vehicle. I completely agree with this. I did not enjoy driving the Overland, which has regu- more more mainstream-ish tires than should not be wandering on the highway. I had a really difficult time with the steering. I, I could not imagine there being steering like this available on, on a modern car or, or truck. It was It wandered. It didn't seem to follow the steering direction I gave it. Um, and you always needed to adjust your, your steering input every single time the car tried to respond to whatever you were doing. It was insane. Keeping it going in a straight line should not be a challenge in 2019, right? Like, that's wild. <laughs> no, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be ner- – like, I couldn't – I wouldn't even turn on the cruise control. That's how uncomfortable I was driving that vehicle. And it's it, the other things about it, it's loud. It is so loud on the highway. I was trying to listen to a podcast. I gave up and switched to music because it was just too loud in the vehicle to hear what people were saying. Did you have a what did you have one of those like removable roofs or did you or or like a or like a cloth roof of sorts? I, I didn't not only did I not have a cloth roof, I had the hard top with the optional headliner. Mm. So it should have been quiet. <laughs> Or at least quieter. And and, and the, the other things about the Wrangler that I didn't like are still in this vehicle. Obviously, there's no dead pedal for the driver. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. The foot's fat, flat on the floor. And that yeah. big, like, fabric thing that attaches the door to the chassis, um, that rubs up against That's your track, leg. It's right? super annoying. Yeah. If it, like, and the time that I've spent with the, with, with the, with the Gladiator, it's just... Really, to be honest, it really does. It really is a Wrangler. It's just a Wrangler with a bed. But at the same time, it's picked up some. It really has picked up some bad habits too. Yeah, it's and and that platform, so, from what I understand, it's not exactly the Wrangler platform because it's similar to what they're going to be using for yeah. the Dakota. Yeah, right. and that's that's. I don't know if that's a good thing, good sign when the Dakota for the Dakota. Well, I mean, I would think the Dakota won't have a solid front axle. Uh, Sammy pointed mm-hmm. out to me that all of the Gladiators, regardless of whether you're getting the Rubicon or not, come with the Dana mm-hmm. 44 axles, which is the hardest core setup for the Jeep. Um, yeah, it, it seems a little even, unnecessary in vehicles that are not the Rubicon. Even and, on the sport, so even on sport and Overland models, you get that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, instead oh, yeah. of the thirty thirty fives, I think that you get on the uh, regular Sport Wrangler. Yeah, no wonder, no wonder the Sport. We I, I was in a Sport, and no wonder it felt weird. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 def- it's a strange experience. It's even around town at lower speeds. I mean, it's not as I hesitate to use the word dangerous because that's a really loaded word when you talk about a car. But uh, around town, it wanders. Um, it's not great at changing. Let's say you're going around a ninety degree corner. It doesn't really like it because it is it's very long. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not super easy to park because it's very long. The other thing, though, is uh, all of that gets amplified on the highway. So whereas a little bit of wandering around town, you're you're like, oh, this is kind of annoying. But on the highway, you're like, I I don't know. I can't predict what the vehicle's going to do. Right. Imagine it here in L.A. Because here in L.A., we are – even our highways are bad. So, you know, (laughs) it's (laughs) – Nobody maintains our highway. Nobody maintains the roads here that well, so it's bad. So they're bad. Like I had, to, I had our long-term Wrangler one time for a couple of days, and you you get on the you get on those like toll roads and the express lanes, and 
if you're driving 70, you're good, and you hit a pothole, your car's just going to wander all over the place. Yeah, it wobbles around for a couple. Could only imagine, like they could only imagine how how bad it is on 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 the Gladiator. Actually, the Gladiator only drove on the street. And those big, uh, those big 33, 34. 35 whatever they are the big wrangler rubicon tires if you mm-hmm. get in if you get into a groove on the highway like a if any ruts have been worn into the asphalt it, it pulls you all over the place yeah oh yeah, yeah. and totally. also you're just like i said you are you are driving this car trying to take it straight and you're just like sawing at the wheel it looks ridiculous mm-hmm. right and yeah. it feels insane you you've got no breathing room mental breathing mm-hmm. room while driving the car and i thought that it just doesn't seem like a car built for 2019. It's it's weird because I I'm not I'm not sure why they didn't bother to do a Sahara trim like they did on the Wrangler because the Sahara is actually not that bad. But if they had date if it has Dana 44s and knobby knobby tires, I mean, yeah, I'm not really mess, sh- yeah, right? it's gonna be a mess, especially if it's if it's long. And and a cu- couple other things I wasn't happy about with the with the Gladiator, which would oh apply. you're not done you're not done <laughs> no I'm not oh, done okay <laughs> there's there's one box length five feet yeah. what do you, what you gonna do with that I mean you're not gonna do a lot and every other midsize truck that is ostensibly in the same category as the Gladiator you can get multiple bed lengths mm-hmm. um, whether it's six and a half or five or whatever at least you have a choice so that's kind of I strike against it from a pickup truck standpoint. I also think it should have been a single cab. I think it would have looked a lot better. I know everyone loves the look of the Gladiator, and I admit it. Like It gets tons of attention, and I understand why they're going to sell them. But uh, I just... I think a single cab would have been cooler, and you would have been able to put maybe a longer bed on and had it be more useful. And the uh, the one final thing I'm going to say is it's very, 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 very expensive. How yeah. much was your tester? So in, in I'm about to check in US dollars, but in Canadian dollars, it was seventy grand. <gasps> oh I had seventeen thousand dollars worth of options. Holy shit. That that's is still letting oh even when you consider the base price of that, that's too much. Yeah, so um that's not impressive. Oh, and uh, I think that I think in US terms, you're probably looking I mean, I'm trying to get the number right now. But you're probably going to be looking at roughly 60, 55, 60 for this vehicle. And once you're spending that much money on a truck, I mean, your options really open up. Oh, yeah. There's you a Ram 1500. Size, right? Yeah. <laughs> 100% I agree with you on that. So the Rubicon starts at 43. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start adding options to this. It's okay. Go for it. All right. Um, I, I was really – I was unimpressed with the with the usability of that bed. But – what really surprised me is that everywhere I went, people noticed it. They they wanted a closer look at it. They thought I, I was the coolest person in a Jeep there. And I was so surprised at the uh, the appetite people have for the design of the Gladiator. I didn't quite. I don't quite see it, but it's a very large vehicle. It has elements of the Wrangler, and then a little bit exact. It exaggerates those features. Um, even further with the bigger size of it. And I was surprised that there was such an appetite for it. And the interior is surprisingly decent as well when you're not worried about the the um, sound ending in the cabin. I was I, I like the placement of the buttons. I like the way that the, everything kind of works. And it has that similar desi- interior design language as the Wrangler. So it doesn't quite feel out of place there. But And it's very spacious for um, a small or mid-sized pickup truck for the cabin. So I always found that to be very funny is that while the cabin is very um, spacious, the bed was kind of useless. Ben. 
I'm still adding. And you're still adding. Future? I'm up to fifty six thousand dollars. Oh my goodness. Oh Be- my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, while keep, keep, you're still keep going talking on... amongst yourselves. Okay, I just hit fifty eight seven. Yeah. Oh and my that's goodness. Because, okay, I think that's where I'm probably going to stop. Just under sixty grand. Because one of the things about the Rubicon is it's expensive, but the features that you're getting with it, they're not luxury features. So you're getting all that off-road gear that I mentioned before, and there is a ton of off-road gear. But the only thing that really comes with it is the premium audio group. So you get the 8.4-inch Uconnect. In the U.S., this is this is what comes with it. Mm-hmm. In Canada, you have to pay more for that still. But you oh get premium goodness. audio and the 8.4-inch Uconnect. If you want stuff like heated seats... Uh, leather upholstery, LED lighting on the outside, um, a tow package. If you want that headliner, it's the headliner alone is five hundred bucks. Spray and bed liner, five hundred bucks. Tonneau cover, six hundred bucks. Uh, hard tops. There's three different versions, and you know it ranges between six. I, I think it's like eleven hundred and twenty two hundred dollars. Um, you can get a dual top. Um, it's uh, there's a trail cam on the grill, six hundred bucks. If you want a steel Yo, front bumper okay. so you can mount a winch, that's eight hundred dollars. All this yeah. stuff adds up, and you're paying now. I'm paying sixty grand for a vehicle that I do not enjoy driving, and um, it's a really hard sell for me. I really did like. You, I, I would take a. I would take a Wrangler, like over this, no question. Uh, here's something. Here's here's more fuel to the fire. They're marking them up here, by really? the way. Yeah. There's like it's it's that car is like straight up what do you call it? It's a straight up exercise in marketing Jeep life, basically, <laughs> and it's it people are like are buying into it, especially here in in, in California. And even though my part of California doesn't really need all wheel drive or four wheel drive for that matter, but mm-hmm. people are buying into it and just eating it up like you know like no tomorrow, and they're willing to pay like a markup for for this truck it's weird because there was one dealer next to where i get my mazda 3 serviced and they had a few rubicons uh gladiators that had like 10 15k markups oh my god (laughs) yeah i mean congratulations to fca because this is a marketing coup this is something people wanted for a super long time and you you were able to get it People don't like to talk about this, or whatever reason we've forgotten about it. But you could get a Jeep pickup based on the Wrangler over the last few years. It was the JK8, I think, and it was a kit that you could get at the dealer, and it would take oh, yeah. a it would take a Jeep, a regular Wrangler, and it would add a cargo bed to it. And it was it was you know had a warranty and it was factory supported and stuff, and it was pretty cool. I think it looked great. Um, but in terms of being able to go into the dealer and grab one of those, the Gladiator fills that niche. They're going to print money with it. And it's going to retain its value because, you know, Jeeps don't drop off. Sure. Um, it's it's a really – Jeep's one of the the best marketing companies on the market, I think. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a genius move, hands yeah. down. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of all. Sammy, anything else you wanted to add to the Gladiator uh, bonfire? No, that's – I don't have anything that needs to be said. I think I've said it before. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of this vehicle and I'm surprised that they that – they, allowed it in the way that it is i can't wait for them to, to refresh it tune it up a little bit and make sure that happens but knowing fca that might be a while so there's there is one more vehicle that you wanted to talk about sammy you went to a launch uh, a couple of weeks ago for mm-hmm. a vehicle that's very important for general motors and what was that that is actually two vehicles it's a chevrolet suburban as well as the tahoe which are two you know they're, they're one is basically an extended version of the other um they're two full-size suvs and um they're you know, they're they're for the person who wants um, a family-sized vehicle, but without the 
the compromises of a traditional three-row crossover, I suppose. These are big trucks, essentially, to say them um, as delicately as possible. And uh, they're, they're big trucks with a long history. They don't sell a ton of them, but they do sell a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> I think – well, no, but I mean you know, it, it used to be if you're buying a full-size SUV, yeah. they were kind of like the default – but that's yeah. not really the case anymore. I think they sell something like for GMC sells something like forty thousand Yukon excels a year. I think they sell double that for the suburban, and yeah. the Yukon I think sells a little bit better than both of them. So in the segment, GM has well, like almost a monopoly. Oh, I think sixty percent of all vehicles in this segment, which include the Expedition, the Armada, the Land Cruiser, and the Sequoia, uh, GM products dominate. I think sixty percent of them. So it's pretty impressive. Um, now the vehicle that I saw is is um, what is it? I saw I saw a <laughs> no bunch one... of different. <laughs> Sorry, you were the only distracted. one there, Sammy. <laughs> I got I get distracted a little bit here. I have to admit that I was impressed with what they were able to do because this is now using what is known as the T1 platform, and that's the same platform that's used in the Silverado and Sierra. And I have to admit that when I heard that, you know, there's going to be some more products on that platform, I was a little worried because the Silverado and, uh, and Sierra did not make the generational leap that some of the, the rivals in its class have made. I think um, despite the new Silverado and Sierra coming out, I think people were, were looking for a little bit more well, the interior with, with those vehicles. I think like, uh, yeah, it was really I've, a disappointment. And yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, I've, I've driven the Silverado uh, in, in trail boss form, and my yeah, with the five point three, it was just it just did not feel like a leap forward versus the previous car. And then the interior was definitely yeah, not on, that was definitely not an interior that was on par with even Ford F one fifty, let alone Ram fifteen hundred. Yeah, absolutely. Even so, the GMC, even GSC fifteen uh, Sierra fifteen hundred is the same way. So I can add that the new the new uh, Suburban in Tahoe, despite using this body-on-frame platform, this T1 body-on-frame platform, it comes with an independent rear suspension system, which is Yay. pretty, which is yeah, which is a big deal. <laughs> it is. A it big also deal. it also comes with magnetic ride suspension as well as air suspension, um, which is pretty cool too. They're really trying to, I think, drop the image that these SUVs can be kind of um, dinosaurs, and now they're they're adding all these technological features as well. So we have this uh, new platform. We've got a new suspension mm-hmm. setup, which will make it more compliant. In theory, it'll handle better. It'll be smoother out on the road. Um, yeah. I want to ask two other questions. Interior, Cheap. what's it like? And cargo space, because in the previous generation of the Suburban and the Tahoe, a big issue was they made a fold-flat rear seat for the third row, but they mm-hmm. didn't have any room to put it. So it, it raised the cargo floor of the entire area behind the second row, and it actually made it smaller inside than the vehicle it was replacing. Is it still like that, or have they fixed that? Okay, so you want to talk about the interior first. I'll, I'll address the first point there. The interior seems much better than what we saw with the Silverado. This looks like a far more modern vehicle. It feels like a premium vehicle in some trim levels as well. I'm really impressed with, with what they were doing with their mix of materials and the layout. Um, they've also gotten rid of the the shifter. Now they've put it, a bunch of buttons on the dashboard, which I don't know. Some people will probably find that um, a bit of a, a, a of an a, a acquired taste, I are suppose. They, Sammy, are they buttons or are they controls? <laughs> are we doing this again? Oh no, <laughs> they are they are controls. I suppose they are gear. Contro- they are gear selector controls. Okay. Um, 
And in terms of cargo space, it is a a, a full flat um, still, but as far as I can tell, it has more cargo than its competitors. The Tahoe, um, much more so. Oh well, the, the the Tahoe is about one or two more cubic feet than the Expedition. Um, oh wow, actually, I've got my numbers wrong here. The the Tahoe has a serious amount more than the regular Expedition. I'd say about. Uh, five more cubic feet behind the third row. So and then, one, one full Polestar one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and about uh, just under 20 cubic feet total, um, more than the regular Expedition. And then the Suburban, which is much bigger, has, again, about five more cubic feet behind its third row than the Expedition Max, and about 24 um, cubic feet in total over the 24 expedition. Twenty-four more than the expedition. Max. Twenty. Yeah, twenty-four. Yeah, that's yeah, impressive. They stretched the wheelbase of that Tahoe by a they, lot. They did stretch the 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 wheelbase significantly with this vehicle, um, and there was also some interesting things to see with the uh, trim levels of the vehicle. I think I, I I sent you a photo, Ben, from the moment it showed up of this. I think it was called the RS. No, not the RS. The Z seventy one. The Z71, that's the one, with this um, no-front-bumper look. Do you remember Yeah, this? and it has the the uh, extreme ground clearance from the air, air suspension that really jacks it up. I'm looking yeah. at it right now, actually, because there's, fo- there's one press photo with that, R- that Z71 Tahoe in it. I think it looks pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I like it without the bumper more than with the bumper. It looks weird. You know what's better? You know what I can say for sure is that I was worried that it would look like the Silverado or at worst the Silverado HD, which were not attractive looking trucks. No, the Silverado HD, it's kind of like it's kind of like the Silverado went to the dentist and he was and, and the Silverado was like, hey, um, I, I need an entirely chrome set of teeth and I also need you to increase the size of my face by conservatively 75%. <laughs> Yeah, and so I would say that the the new Suburban and Tahoe do not have this issue. They've got some design um, going for them. It looks pretty good. There's a weird thing going on at the um, C-pillar. I don't oh. know. There's like a bunch of extra plastic So you mean you mean the part of the truck where the window ends and then the quarter window starts and then the piece of plastic starts and then the other piece of plastic on the other side of where the door frame starts? Yeah, and, that's what and I'm talking about. It's like someone <laughs> – when I was a kid, they would give us these parallelogram, like plastic shapes kind of thing and they'd be like a, a rectangular – area that you try to like make them fit right you would like all these different angles and it was kind of a brain teaser for kids to try and get them used to spatial awareness and stuff it looks like that's what's happening with the side windows in the passenger side uh, sorry the passenger windows uh at the rear of this vehicle it's just it's super weird it's almost as weird as that rectangular plastic panel on the land rover defender that just came right. out yeah it's like hovers yeah. yeah it hovers in the middle of the glass i don't know if this is a design thing or if it's like we just didn't know what to do or maybe no one saw it until the unveiling <laughs> <laughs> um and then one more thing we need to add about the uh suburban and tahoe is the powertrains you will get this vehicle the standard motor is the 5.3 liter v8 there's also a three liter inline six that's you've seen before as well. No, that's and a diesel. That's a diesel. That is a diesel. Sorry, that, I, I forgot to mention that three three liter inline six diesel. That's the most important part it's about not, it. It's not like we're in Australia where it's like three liter inline six. <laughs> of course, of course, it's <laughs> and, there. And a six point two liter uh, V eight. So there's three motors available 
for this vehicle. Um, all ones that we've seen in other uh, forms around the GM um, lineup. So, I mean, I think it's a it's a positive debut of the new Suburban in Tahoe. I think this is a, a better vehicle. I think it's great to see that they're still innovating in this space. I think a lot of people might have thought that SUVs are, are not nearly as popular as crossovers. But uh, GM is still investing in that and delivering with some pretty compelling products. I can't plus, wait to drive it. Plus their fleet sales. I mean, that's important for them. I mean, this, that's true. Um, Sammy, is that a, do you have anything else? you Or St- St- Stefan, do you want to talk a little bit more about the, the Suburban and Tahoe? So, <clears throat> here's some fun facts about that. Sammy, <laughs> did you get to... Get, you to get to jump into the third row of that Tahoe because it says it's 10, 10 inches more, uh, what do you call it? 10 inches more leg room. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to jump in. It was actually a very busy event. See, GM also brought their um, dealers to the oh, reveal man. as well. And so oh, it was a little man. crowded. <laughs> To, to say the least. Those but, folks lose their minds at those prevents, man. Like, they are swarming the stage. And it's, yeah, I've, I've been to a couple of those Chevrolet events with dealers as well. I mean, not to knock dealers. I know they're excited and they got to sell this product, but it does make it tough to, to get photos or, or actually touch the vehicles. Right. But they did say that there's significant enhancements or additions to the um, interior space. And it looked far more spacious than um, I remember it being in the past. So, yeah. uh, and with that in mind, there's there's one more thing I want to talk about on this podcast this this, this week, and it's GM related, but um, it's it's kind of a blast from the past. We had a listener, Tobias, write into us from Norway, and he's been working on one of the coolest products I have. Uh, sorry, one of the coolest projects I can think of. There is a World War II era GMC open cab truck that has been like in his neighborhood since the early 90s and he's been walking by it with his friends for years and he finally made an offer on it and the person who owns the truck said yes and wow. now he's the owner of a 1945 GMC CCKW 353 Ooh. it is a super apparently it's been it's been abandoned since 1989 and the previous owner had died and no one in his family um wanted anything to do with it so it just kind of sat there but the amazing thing is it hasn't rotted. It's somewhat protected where it was sitting, and it's it's still in pretty good shape. And he has sent me uh, a lot of videos and photos of what he's doing with the vehicle, but it actually runs. And um, he's been working on it slowly. Uh, he has to get a special license to be able to drive it because of the weight class of the vehicle in Norway. So he's working on getting that. But uh, he eventually found people who were able to hook him up with the parts he needed. I mean, this is a GMC from the 40s in Norway. This is not... You know, you can't just go to the parts counter and be like, "Hey, this is what I need." It's you gotta you gotta figure out who your hookups are for these parts. Um, so he's putting this vehicle together, and it's. It, I just think this is an amazing project. I mean, to see a vehicle of that age on the road, <clears throat> period, is hard. But to yeah. see a heavy vehicle, which you don't often see people restoring, precisely because of the extra licensing and safety regs that usually go with it. I mean, mm-hmm. my hats off to Tobias, who's who's taken this project on. That's very cool. I I also would like to express my uh, my impressive my I'm impressed. I'm definitely you've left one hell of an impression with me on that kind of vehicle, and it's, I can't wait to hear more about it too. Me too. Yeah, I, I, here. I, I I hope he keeps sending us in uh, updates on the project. There's a couple more cool things about it that I wanted to mention. He says that he's driven it around a little bit on his street, and he says it feels a lot bigger than it is. Um, it has a top speed of 45 miles an hour. 
and wow. it's a little bit it's a little bit underpowered but it has four pedals on the floor there's a button for the high beam and low beam headlights there's a clutch right. a brake and a gas and one pe- there's a a pedal for the starter motor or a button for the starter on the floor and it also has a hand throttle <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So you got to really like he said yeah. until they figured out how to work the hand throttle it was a real bear to get it started and keep it running properly. Um but Damn. it's he's got to figure it out now but I mean these are just things that we don't think about anymore like car we we complain about buttons on the dash for for uh shifting and stuff or a dial on the console we're like oh it's so outside the mainstream but like yeah. back then they were just like whatever works here you go. <laughs> And I mean, this is a truck that was probably used in a war zone too. So, like, you know, it needs to. It has to be a little user friendly. There, it's got to be because if nineteen forty, there's no other way a nineteen forty Chevy pickup truck would end up there. Yeah, and, well, GMC, not Chevy, but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, like, GMC. Yeah, no one casually ordered that. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And how and how did he not get it to rust? How did it not rust all those years? It's amazing in a Scandinavian country. He, he said it was protected. I'm not sure if it was by trees or by uh, a wall that was nearby, hmm. but it, there's very very little rust on the vehicle itself, which I also find amazing. Wow. I mean, if it's off the road, if it's been off the road since '89, right? So that's a long time to sit, and there's no road salt where it is. I could see that, but I mean, up to that point, it was theoretically driving around. Wow, wild. That's that's crazy. So, I, I think that's awesome. Holy cow. So if you want to write in and tell us about your cool projects, because I'm always up to hear them, hear about them. And Sammy, you know, he, he seems like he's not enthusiastic, but he really just wants to make new friends, too. So you can. <laughs> there's a lot of ways you can do that. You can get in touch with us uh, on the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form. If you send us a message through that, it goes right to our email. We see every single message that's sent there, so keep that in mind. Uh, you can also email me directly, benjamin at benjaminhunting.com, or you can find us on social media. On Twitter, Sammy is Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And on Instagram, I'm at Hunting Benjamin. Uh, Sammy, if people wanted to listen to past episodes to kind of get a feel for the projects that we're into, I mean, we're into all projects, but how could they do that? Well, I would recommend that they go to the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Um, and while they're there, they can see all of last uh, our last um, man. We're at like 152 episodes or something like that. So you can Some see all of the number. old. You can see all of the past episodes, or you can just search for us in your favorite podcast client. Just look, Unnamed Automotive Podcast, and bam, we should show up. Um, and while you're doing that, just hit the subscribe button, um, and you'll be sure to get a notification or our latest uh, episode as soon as it drops. So I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening, and thank you to Stefan for, li- for being on the show this week. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, and it's close to the holidays, but we really appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Thank Thanks for having me. It was great. And I guess if people want to want to reach me, my only social media right now is Instagram. So, yeah, Stefan underscore Ogback. That's my that's my Instagram handle. All right, nice. and that's O G B A C for everyone who wants to wants to find him on Instagram. Yeah. All right. Cool. So uh, we'll be back in 2020, which is kind of weird to say, but uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.